We're so glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message from Bethel Worship Center. Uh, we pray that it blesses you wherever you are in your faith journey. Uh, we do want to let you know that we are open. Our campus is open. Uh, we invite you to go to bwccamden.com. Uh, you can find out everything that we're offering right now at this time and in this season. So make sure to, to, to go there and find the ways that you can stay up to date with everything happening at Bethel Worship Center. But again, uh, wherever you are in your faith journey, whether you are uh, exploring more about faith, learning who Jesus is, learning about God, uh, you're new in your walk with Jesus Christ, or you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, we pray that today's message blesses you, it encourages you, it equips you. So God bless you. Thank you again for taking part. You know, tragedy in life has a way of taking relationships and our connections to a deeper level. Maybe you've witnessed that in your life. You've gone through something in your life. You've gone through a struggle. You've gone through a situation. And through that, the friendships, the relationships, the connections you have in your life, when you shared that with them and they walked with you through that, you probably saw that relationship, that friendship, that connection grow even deeper and grow even stronger. It has a way of doing that. I don't know if you remember in 2010... Uh, the Chilean mining accident. I don't know if you remember when that happened. There were 33 miners uh, who were about uh, 2,300 feet below the ground in a mine that was 121 years old. There were 33 of these guys. They were down there, and uh, they became trapped. And you can imagine the, uh, the fear the worry, the anxiety, everything just that, that immediately came on this group of men when they were in that, in that mine. Um, the, the supervisor at that time, he assessed the situation, and uh, they had food that they had, but they only really had enough for about two to three days. Well, they began rationing that food out, and it lasted them for 17 days. And finally, a drill came through, and contact was made from above ground with these miners. And they began to communicate with them. They began to help them during this time and during this situation. They began to send them food through a tunnel, a small tunnel through a tube that they had created to get food to them, to be able to ration out among the miners. They, they began to send them medications that would help them to, to be okay during that time and to get through everything that they were facing. They, they even would send them oxygen uh, to, to, to give them the oxygen that they needed to help them during this time. But these guys banded together and they bonded together. And eventually, 69 days later, they would be rescued. And it's fascinating. You can see the news reports if you've forgotten it. There was a movie that was actually made on it in uh, 2015. But, uh, but, but you can see this one-man tube that was basically going down through a shaft and they would put miners in it and bring them back up through to rescue them one by one. It was amazing. One of the guys, one of the first guys, I can't remember if he was the first or second guy to come out. His name was Mario Supovede. That was impressive that I said that, right? When he came out, he came out with such excitement and such exuberance. You wouldn't have known that he would have been trapped in a mine for 69 days. But I guess when you're experiencing freedom, that's what happens in your life. And he, he was known to his friends and to his coworkers down there as Super Mario. <laughs> but 
But when he came out, you, you can see images of this uh, in reports that are now on YouTube. But he came out, he had a bag of rocks with him. And it, he took these rocks and he started handing them to the Chilean president as souvenirs from their time down there trapped in this mine. He saw all the people gathered around. He went running over to them, embracing them, friends that, that were there, his wife, his family. He started this Chilean chant, I guess, chi, 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 le, 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 chi, le, chi, le, chi. That's what they were doing. And the, it, it was amazing to watch, but he made this comment. He, he said these words. He said, we knew that if society broke down, we would all be doomed. He said, each day, a different person took a bad turn. And every time that happened, we worked as a team to try to keep the morale up. You could probably insert family for the word team there as well. And he he said, we work to keep our morale up. And old men would take young men under their arms and help them and be with them and walk through them through everything. He said that the guys took dark turns while they were down there. And they took an oath amongst themselves and that said that whatever you went through down here, it was secret with us. But we're going to walk through you in this. And we're going to help each other through this time. And eventually every miner down there would be rescued. Now, can you imagine if those miners, when an individual would have had a difficult situation, a tough time in their life, in that moment, if those miners would have just turned a blind eye to them, if they would have let them go off in their despair, That would have been a horrible situation to have happen, but they didn't do that. And the church can embrace some truth by what happened in that mind for ourselves as well. And actually what happened in that mind is really a biblical concept that should be happening within the church, within our body. Because at any moment, there are members of the church, there are people a part of the body of God who have things that they go through, who have struggles that they face. They have burdens that they carry, overwhelming situations that they have in their life. And we as a body need to walk alongside with everyone who has that and, 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 and be with them and help them in that, to help carry their burdens, to walk with them and to help them face those situations. We're, we are all on a journey in our faith with God that is a personal journey. And our faith is personal to our life. But here's the thing about our faith. Our faith, even though it's personal, was never meant to be private. Our faith was meant to be shared. And it's in relationships where real life change can happen. Where real life change can take place in our life. And I hope that we see that this morning if we've not experienced it and seen it before. You know, we're, we're in the third part of the Ready, Set series that we've been doing. And I hope that it's been blessing you to, to see what took place in the early church in the very beginnings of the, um, the life of the early church. But we, we saw in, the, in, in week one, we said that, you know, for us to be ready and set to go where God is calling us to go, that, that we need to get ourselves in a position of prayer. Our starting block is a place of prayer, we said. And the early church, before they 
got into the place and where God began to send them and work through them, they first got themselves into a room together, united in prayer before God began to move. We need to be united in prayer for God to work and God to move in our hearts and our lives. Last week, we talked about that God wants to move through the church and his power wants to work through the church. And the way the Holy Spirit's power works through our life is in when we get in rhythm with him. And we began to get in rhythm in our relationship with him and began to trust and become devoted to him. And then God begins to work through us as the church because the church was never meant to be just a place, just a place we attend. But it was also supposed to, it was also created to be a movement that God and his Holy Spirit worked through. And it was meant to be a community. You know, the concept of being a community has been around since the very beginning. Even since creation. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, when Moses wrote these words, we actually see in 126 when he gets to talking about God's creation. You know, he created everything and then he comes to creating mankind. And in 126, we see God make these words. He says, let us make man in our own image. But you notice that phrase there, let us make human beings in our image, meaning that it's not just God alone as the heavenly father there to create. There's someone with him. There's Jesus and there's the Holy spirit. It's three in one. And we know this, we, we see John who was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He referred to himself as, the, as himself, the one that Jesus loved. John obviously spent a lot of time with Jesus. John, John spent a lot of time getting to know Jesus and hearing stories and the teachings of Jesus. In fact, at the end of John's gospel, he would write the words that, that, that there's no books that could, ta- that could contain all the stories and the teachings of Jesus Christ and the miracles that he did. But in the very beginning of his gospel, he wrote these words. He said, in the beginning was God, that the word was with God and the word was God. And he was referencing the fact that Jesus Christ was with God in the beginning. He knew that because the relationship he had. Peter, also a disciple, a follower of Jesus, who would have probably had the same conversations, would write later in one of his letters to the church. He would say, Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. That means God had a plan in place even before He said, let there be. So why should we worry, right? Because he has this plan in place. He knows what's going on. He knew what would happen. Genesis 1 tells us that his spirit was hovering. God said, let us make man. So we are created from a deity, three in one, from community. But then God would create mankind and, and the only thing of his creation that would not be good. Everything God created was good except for one thing. Genesis 2.18, Moses told us that man was alone. So he created a woman for him to have and to be in relationship with. The first relationship was established. The power and the benefit and the beauty of community was beginning to develop. And then down the road, God would begin to speak to Abraham and he would call out a nation. 
a community of people, a nation together. And he would say this about that community in Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse six. He would say, for you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God has chosen you out of all the peoples of the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And so God created a covenant with that nation, a covenant that we see in the Old Testament, in the old covenant of our Bible. We see that covenant and the relationship that was established with that community. Because it was out of that community, out of that nation, that God would send the lamb that had been identified before he even said, let there be, would come out of that nation. And Jesus Christ would come to this earth in the form of man as a baby. And then he would begin to call different guys, different Jews to start following him. And he would begin to teach them men that were from many different areas, a lot of which were fishermen, but you had some who were nationalists. They were zealots. You had one who was a tax collector, one that was believed to be from royal blood. And these guys are all gathering together and Jesus was teaching them and and speaking to them. And then John would write these words and tell them that Jesus would look at them. In John chapter 13, 34 to 35, we see that Jesus looks at them and he says, a new command I give you. Love one another. And by this, everyone would know that you're my disciple. They're not going to know that you're my disciple by any other, by anything else, by what you wear and by the talons that hang from your robes. That's not going to how they're going to know whose disciple you are. They're going to know you're my disciple by how you love one another. The same way that I loved you. And so that, and so, so Jesus calls them out this, this group, this community of men together, teaching them, showing them how they are to be. And then he would go and he would die on a cross. And through that salvation, the original promise all the way back to Abraham before the nation of Israel was created, began to go into fulfillment. And now we all are able to be a part of that community together because of what Christ had done. Paul would write about it in Galatians chapter three, verse 29. I believe I have that verse in there. He says, and now that you belong to Christ, He's talking to a group of Gentiles, people who were not Jewish. Now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You're his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. He's talking to you as well. This, the power of this verse continues to today. And then in chapter six, verses 15 and 16, he said, he wrote these words. Paul says, it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. In other words, what he's saying is it doesn't matter if you have gone under the customs of Judaism. We are all under the name of Jesus Christ. What matters is we've been transformed into a new creation. And then what does he say in verse 16? He says, may God's peace and mercy be upon all you who live by this principle. You are the new people of God. And and, and then Peter would write in his letter, we are a royal nation, a a royal priesthood. There you go. You know your word. We're a community together. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he would liken us to a body. And he would say, you are a part of a body. 
where every part may be different. Every part may look different. Every part has a different function, but you all work together because when you work together, despite your differences, the body is effective. And then he would write his letter to the church of Rome in Romans chapter eight. We see it. He would liken us to a family. We are a family because we've been adopted through the work of Jesus Christ into the family of God. We are created from community for community. We were never meant, never meant to do life on our own, by ourselves, alone. And we begin to see this take part in the early church and in the movement that they were establishing at the church. So let's jump into the end of the book of Acts as we conclude this today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is where we'll start. It says this. You got it. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And then it says a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being Saved. There was a countercultural community that was being created in the early church. They they were they didn't want to just be a part of community living the what was predictable, doing what had been going on for years and years and years. They knew that Jesus had called them to something new. Jesus had called them to something different, and they expected to encounter. The miraculous. They expected God to move. And that needs to be the type of community that we have in the church today. People who don't want to just live a routine life. People who long to live the life that Jesus has called them to live. community of people who worship together, who love together, who serve together, who give together, who grow together, who share their hope together, who expects God to impact their world together. In Acts 242, what we're seeing is a rhythm that was created within the church and within the community. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They gave themselves to these things. They abandoned themselves unselfishly to what God was calling them to. 
See, a lot of times we look at everything from the lens of how does it benefit me? What, what am I going to get out of it? How is this going to serve me? Even when we serve sometimes, we go to serve because we think it makes us feel good. We want it to make us feel good. We want it to do something for us. But these guys, they abandoned themselves. These women, these men, they abandoned themselves unselfishly to what God had called them to do. And what makes it even greater is they were an eclectic group of people. Early in the book of Acts, it tells us that they were from all nations. All nations were represented. And all nations were being called to this. They were a diverse group of people. They didn't look like each other. They didn't think like each other. They didn't act like each other. They were an uncommon people devoted to and united around a common cause. And this, this was what Jesus had told them. It was heaven on earth. It was God's will being done on earth as in heaven. It didn't, they didn't stop being who they were. But their primary identity was no longer about what they looked like and where they came from. Their primary identity was who they were in. Real quick, Nadia, Carlos, will y'all come up here and help me just for, just for visual? I'm not going to have you say anything, do anything. Y'all just come up here. Leland, Mr. Leland, can, will you come up here too and just stand? Just a visual. Because I want us to see what Jesus was calling them to and what the early church was doing. Every nation began to be represented. I wish Rachel was in here as well. Rachel, she's serving in kids' church right now. She's an Asian-American. You've got an Asian-American who's serving in kids' church right now. You've got a Hispanic. You've got an African-American. You've got a white male. When Jesus called them to love one another, he didn't call them to love the one that looked like them. Because remember, these, these, the group of disciples even were eclectic group of people. Remember what I said, fishermen, nationalist, a tax collector, someone from royal blood. They wouldn't have normally sat around a table together. And then Paul, who became a part of the family of God, would write a letter to the church of Philippi, and he would say, consider each other over yourselves. And so if we're going to love each other and we're going to consider each other, how many of you, you, you know, it's easy for me to love someone often that looks like this and consider them over myself. Why? Because they're probably a lot like me. They have a lot of the same history as I have, a lot of the same background as I have. Maybe some differences. Obviously, we come from different families, different areas, different generations. Just a small. (laughs) But often it's easier for me to consider this over myself than to consider maybe this or this over myself. This culture, this generation. But God's called us to love and to consider every over ourselves. 
And it doesn't just, it's not just, don't see it just from your own perspective. You see it from, or from my perspective, see it from your own perspective. God has called us to love one another. And you see this in the early church, all nations represented. It, it, it wasn't a white Christian. Pastor Casey would say this over and over. It wasn't a white Christian, a black Christian, a Hispanic Christian, an Asian Christian. We were Christians. We were white, black, Hispanic, Asian. The primary identifier, we, we don't stop being who we are. But the primary identifier is no longer about what we look like, think like, where we came from. It's who we are in Christ. That's our primary identifier marker, right? Thank you, guys. Sorry to put you in the spotlight, but just wanted that visual. It's heaven on earth. And what were they devoted to? They were devoted to four things. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to, to, to fellowship. They were devoted to, to, devoted to eating together. Woohoo! We can get behind that, right? Even, even sharing God's communion together. And they were devoted to prayer together. Right? We, we, can, we ought to be able to get behind all of that. We ought to be able to get behind wanting to be devoted to the teaching of God's word and digging into God's word, to being devoted to being around one another and hanging out with each other and, and eating with each other and doing communion together like we're going to do this morning and praying together. We ought to all long to do those things. See, they, they would gather in the temple together as a, as a larger body. It was like a battalion coming together to get their marching orders, right? It, 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 they're, they're together as one body, but then they would be together in their smaller groups, in homes, as a family, where they could put into practice loving each other and serving each other. We need that. And, and I just want to say is just a little plug that we're beginning to, to start implementing those more, to bring those back. COVID stopped a lot of that stuff, but we're bringing it back. We, we, we need it. But more than just having groups for us to come and meet at here in the church. And again, you go to our website, you can see those things, but we want you to also have a group that you can meet with. And I'll just say real quick, some people say, well, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to I don't know how to teach. I don't know how to lead a group. It's way easier than you think. It's, you just grow in your faith together and you, you help each other by supporting each other in prayer and being there for each other. But we're going to have something coming up that will help you. If you are ever interested in wanting to, to have a group that meets, we're going to have one night that you can come and we're, we're going to equip you to know how to do it easily and effectively. Okay. You can see all that online. That's just a little shameless plug right there. But the early church did it. We need to do it. We need it in our life. And there was a continued dependence upon God. They prayed often. (laughs) If you haven't seen a theme, even going back to those messages in July that I spoke about from Acts chapter 4, they prayed. If they got in trouble, they prayed. If they were scared, they prayed. If they needed help with something, they prayed. Prayer was their first response to anything because there was a total dependence upon God, a total dependence upon him and what he could do. They were devoted and growing in their relationship with God and they were devoted 
and growing with each other. So this rhythm in their community, it, it, it opened them up and it mobilized them to be the movement that God was calling them to be and for the Holy Spirit to begin to work through them. And then what do we see happen? We see their awe of God begin to grow. The more they devoted themselves to these things, they grew more and more in awe of God. You think about that song we, we sing recently. You keep getting better. You keep getting better. That's what was happening in the early church. Their awe of God was growing. And as their awe of God grew, the Holy Spirit began to work through them. The Holy Spirit's power began to move through them. They grew closer to each other. Their love grew. Their willingness to serve one another grew. Their, their heart to be generous grew. Their unity grew even stronger. And what else happened? The whole community grew. The whole, the whole body of followers of Jesus Christ grew. Because see, in the absence of division will be multiplication. A Holy Spirit-driven community creates a multiplication movement. Because you notice, it, it tells us at the end of Acts chapter 2 that their numbers were being added to daily. And these numbers, it, it wasn't just because they came to the temple. It was because they were doing all this other stuff. It was because of everything they were devoted to. And as people around them began to see them being devoted to God and to his word and their lives being transformed and changed and this new passion being developed in them as God working through them and they saw them loving and they saw them growing and and they saw them being generous, they were drawn to that and their life was changed. These people came to Christ because of how the gospel was being spoken and represented within the community. We have to be intentional about the community we cultivate within the body and the community we create outside of the church as well. We, and we have to be willing to grow. And throughout history, when the church becomes a movement and works as a movement, it grows. It, you, you see it all through the New Testament. The church grew. New churches were formed. People came to follow Christ. There's nothing wrong with small gatherings, but the church was never meant to be small. And there's no doubt that growth can be uncomfortable. I mean, there, the, that phrase, growing pains, exists for a reason, right? I mean, there's pain. It wasn't just because it was a show in the 80s, right? But the... Some of you remember that. All right. It exists because growth can be uncomfortable. But when you're a part of the body of Christ, you have to be willing to see growth happen. You have to be willing to see new people become a part of the body. And sometimes it's tough because it might be people that are different. But God wants to work through us and he wants to see growth take place in our life personally, 
within our body. And he wants to see growth in the church. Because when we come to times like this, we come and we're empowered and we're encouraged and we're equipped. I don't know if you know this or not, but throughout the book of Acts, the majority of the miracles and the things that happened, if not most all of them, took place outside of the temple. They didn't happen inside the walls of the temple. They happened in the workplace. They happened in relationships that were built in the homes and in contacts with those in the community because God's spirit was working through the body. So we come to church and we're encouraged and we're empowered and we're equipped to engage the community that we're around. And we must, it's like we said last week, we must never settle for being just a place that we attend. We have to be a movement If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to request prayer or send us anything that you would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.